this morning we are going to be talking about the last of our long series that we've been in called Building Resilient Disciples or Building Resilient Faith. And we're actually going to put a bow on that here this morning. We've been talking about this for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks now, but I think it's so important, especially during this time and during this place that we find ourselves in. We're in the middle of a pandemic or we're hopefully getting towards the tail end of a pandemic, depending on who you talk to. But this, this, this is a time in our faith, more than probably ever for most of us, that our faith has probably started to be tested a little bit. And we started to question things. We don't really understand things. And we don't understand why the government is making some of the decisions that they're making. But now, more important than ever, we have got to truly have that resilient faith that Jesus calls us to have. Because see, that's what keeps us working towards the goal even when we see all these hurdles placed in our way. I mean, we can't even have our live services the way we would like to do so, but that hasn't stopped us from being the church, and I hope that that hasn't stopped you from continuing to build that relationship with Jesus Christ that is so very, very important. And I'm thankful that we have this technology that allows us to still be here together on this Sunday morning, that even though the church has left the building, the church hasn't stopped being the church and I hope that's exactly how you feel this morning. So this morning, we're going to wrap up our series on building resilient faith. If you caught last week's lesson, we, we started in talking about um, being on a countercultural mission. And we're going to kind of wrap that up today with talking about what's probably the most important aspect of that, and that's courage, or being truly courageous. Now, see, I wish we could play, uh, I wish we had the rights to play music during our services because we could play Eye of the Tiger this morning and that'd be just a great way to get us pumped up and start our, start our sermon this morning. But unfortunately, due to copyright issues, we just can't do that. But in your head, you can be singing the Rocky song this morning and, and hopefully that'll, that'll help to build your courage and help to build your resilient faith this morning. So let's dive in. Why is being courageous important as a Christian? And these are just a few things. You could probably sit down and make a list that's 10 times longer than this list. But these are just a few things that I want to encourage you to think through this morning as we dive into this lesson. And that's, without courage, we'll be unable to live distinctly and counterculturally from the nonstop push and pull of culture. Now, this is exactly what we've been talking about during this series and during these last couple of weeks of talking about counterculture is courage is what allows us to do that. Courage is what allows us to stand strong in our faith, despite what the rest of culture may be doing. Now more than ever, it seems like almost every day we see another way that society just keeps pushing that envelope of what's okay and what's not okay. And I hope that just like, just like me, that that breaks your heart. It breaks my heart to see some of the things that people are pushing for that we should just be accepting in today's society. But see, when we have courage, when we have that resilient faith, when we're a resilient disciple, that's what allows us to stand strong against culture and take a stand for Jesus Christ to say, no, I'm not going to go along with that because that's not what Jesus teaches and that's not what Jesus wants. Courage, that's what it's all about. Without it, we won't think differently and live differently from the world. Again, we'll just fall into those patterns of the world. And we know that we're supposed to be in the world, but not of the world. Courage is what allows us to do that. Without it, we won't stand up for the right things at the right times. 
Now, this is something we talked about a couple weeks ago when we talked about vocational discipleship. We talked about being able to stand in our workplace and still be a follower of Jesus. The right time and the right place. Courage is what allows us to stand up when all we want to do is sit down. Courage doesn't just happen. It has to be taught and it has to be reinforced. Now, we know that we're going to run into some difficult situations. That's what, that's what the Bible teaches us. But Joshua had to be reminded by God multiple times to be courageous as he was carrying out the Lord's work. We know that Paul told Timothy that he, did not, he was not given a spirit of fear or a spirit of timidity, but instead a spirit of courageous faith. So so we see examples in the Bible of how just like we need to be reminded sometimes that even even back when this was written, the disciples and the followers of Christ needed to be reminded. And Jesus himself reminds us. If you look at John chapter 16, verse 33, again, John chapter 16, verse 33, we read, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. It says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So see, Jesus reminds us we are going to have troubles and we're going to have hardships and things aren't always going to be roses and things aren't always going to go our way. And that's why a few weeks back, you'll remember, we talked about how we praise him through the storms, how we continue to be resilient disciples when things are not going our way. He reminds us, in John chapter 16, that all we really need to remember is through Jesus, he overcame the world, that we can stand strong through those troubles and we can be courageous because we have the hope that comes from Jesus Christ. So, can we truly make a difference? When we talk about this idea of countercultural, can we truly make a difference? So let's look at that for just a minute. What are some things that we can do to start to make a difference, to start to truly live out a life that is counter-cultural? We can sacrifice ourselves. Now, I'm not talking about sacrifice ourselves in the way that Jesus Christ sacrificed for us, but I'm talking about sacrificing of ourselves, giving of our time, giving of our talents, giving of our money. We can sacrifice ourselves. We can put aside our selfish ambitions and focus on the ambitions of building God's kingdom. We can pray for peace and prosperity of our cities. And I hope that that's something that you do on a daily basis. I hope you pray for this nation. I hope you pray for the city that you live in. And I hope you pray for this church every single day. Because I believe in prayer and I believe that prayer is powerful. And I believe that if we'll commit to doing that, we can truly start to make a difference. We can experience Jesus in miraculous, his miraculous work in the world. We just have to be able to look for it, and we have to know where to find it. See, we, we just have to trust in the power of God. When you look at all the things that God has done, and, and you, I mean, just take a look around at creation. Take a look outside your window. Take a look at the fact that, that the human body is made with such complex DNA that even some of the world's top scientists can't figure it out and can't replicate it. God can 
has and will do amazing things in this world. But we have to know where to look for it and we have to celebrate it and we have to trust in his power and his ability. Uh, Jason Clark, who many of you know, one of our elders, uh, showed up a couple weeks ago in a shirt, and this is what the shirt said on it, and I love this so much. Maybe he'll buy me one, I don't know. Um, It says, if being a Christian is boring, then you're doing it wrong. And I love that. What a perfect slogan for a t-shirt or a bumper sticker or whatever the case may be. If being a Christian is boring, then you're doing it wrong. Because see, if you're just going through the motions, and you're just checking the boxes, and you're just doing the bare minimum to get by, then yeah, it's probably going to be boring. But are we stepping out in faith on a counter-cultural mission to go against what society is telling us is okay, and to go against the way that society is going, and to truly follow Jesus Christ? Because that's not boring. That's not boring at all. So we're going to get into our text for this morning, and our text for this morning is going to come from Luke chapter 9. So if you have your Bibles or your Bible app, um, please feel free to open that up with me to Luke chapter 9. We're going to start in verse 57, um, and we're going to go through 62, I believe it is, but we're going to start in Luke chapter 9, verse 57. And here we read, it says, and they were walking along the road, and a man said to him, he's talking about Jesus here, he says, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, let me go and bury my father. We pick up in verse 60. It says, Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still, Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Says Jesus replied to him and says, no one who who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit to serve in the kingdom of God. Now, I think this is a perfect passage to wrap up this idea of resilient disciples. Because see, a resilient disciple is someone who puts aside everything and follows Jesus Christ. And this is an example of an interaction between these three men, right, and Jesus Christ. Now, when you first read this passage, it almost sounds like Jesus is trying to kind of dissuade them from following him, right? He doesn't just say, great, come on, let's go. He kind of lays out for them, if you're going to follow me, these are some of the things that you need to be prepared for. And that's what we're going to dive into a little bit deeper here this morning. Some food for thought for you. Will you follow Jesus with all of your life, no matter where he leads you or how countercultural the task is, no matter what the cost may be? In a nutshell, this is what being a resilient disciple is all about. Are we willing to follow Jesus with all of our life? Not just part of it. Right? The Bible teaches us to follow him with all of our hearts and all of our mind. Not part of it. No matter where he takes us. Now, I don't know about you. 
But there's been some times in my life where I didn't understand the path that I was on. Because things weren't going my way, things weren't going the way I wanted them to go, I didn't get the job that I wanted to get, whatever the case may be, there's been times where I say, wow, God, what are you doing? This is not what I had in mind. But do we trust that his plan for our lives is good and perfect? Now, perfect in the standpoint that he wants everybody to live a life pleasing to him and to go to heaven. I'm not talking about predestination, but I'm talking about he has an overarching plan for our lives of where we start and where we finish. Now, obviously, we have free will, so we're all over the map of where we go between those two points. But do we trust him enough to say, look, I'm going to go wherever you lead me, even though we may not understand it? may not understand it. I try to put myself in the shoes of a missionary sometimes. And these missionaries go to these remote places. They go to these third world countries because that's where the Lord has called them to go. And I think to myself, if that's where God was calling me to go, would I be courageous enough to go? Now, in my case, God called me back here to Mission Viejo after we had moved to Arizona and at the time that, that I received the phone call from the eldership here, I didn't really understand the timing or God's timing because my wife was in Phoenix and she was under contract for seven more months. And I thought to myself, why, why am I being called to Mission Viejo when my wife is going to be six hours away in Phoenix? But I had to step out in faith and say, look, I know that God has a plan for me, and this is the path he has placed before me. And I had to be courageous enough to say, look, I'm going to drive back and forth to Phoenix twice a week, every week for seven months. But see, I had to trust in his plan for me. But, but the bottom line is, he called me to South Orange County. Well, you can't ask for a much, much better place to live than South Orange County. But what if he was calling me to South Africa? would I still be willing to say, God, if that's where you're leading me, I'm going to give up everything here and I'm going to go there. Now, we may never be called to do that. We may never be called to do that. But we know that we are called to share the gospel, to proclaim the gospel right here where we are. And are we doing that? Because not all of us are called to be preachers and teachers and missionaries. But we are all called to share the gospel. So we're going to look at three questions this morning, and these three questions are the same kinds of questions that we need to be asking ourselves when we talk about this idea of resilient disciples. The first question that we're going to look at is, are we going to choose comfort, or are we going to choose the cross? Comfortable and easy, or the cross? We just read a few minutes ago that when we choose to follow the cross, we're going to have hardships and things aren't always going to be roses. But that's the price that we pay to follow Jesus and we pay that happily. Christ makes certain that Christianity is not a path to more comfort, higher status, or greater ease in the world. So let's look at a scripture here in John chapter 15 verse 20. Again, John chapter 15 verse 20 reads... Remember what I told you, a servant is not greater than the master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. 
if they obeyed my teaching, then they will obey you also. So he tells us right here, look, they persecuted me. They're going to persecute you. We look at the life of Paul. Paul was persecuted over and over and over again. He was put in prison and he was beaten and all kinds of different things. But Paul stayed the path, right? Paul stayed the path in following Jesus because he knew that all of those things that were happening to him were going to be worth it one day when he spends eternity with God in heaven. So we have to decide for ourselves on a daily basis, are we going to do what's easy? Are we going to do what's comfortable? Are we going to truly step out in the mission of following Jesus. So the first man, in case you don't know the background, and we know this from from other passages where this story is referenced, but the first man was a teacher of the law. And, And it was very common in this time for teachers to kind of attach themselves to someone else or to a mentor or to someone who would give them status. Now, at this time, Jesus was already doing his teaching and preaching, so it would have made sense that this teacher of the law would have, would have kind of grabbed onto Jesus and said, hey, I'm going to go with this guy because it's going to help my career, it's going to help my status, and it's going to give me more, more credibility when I do my teaching. And Jesus asks him, are you willing to be homeless? Is basically what he says, right? Because he says, hey, all these animals have places to live, and the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. So he's basically saying, are you willing to be homeless to follow me? And again, Jesus wasn't, wasn't saying these things to dissuade someone from following him. He was trying to be real with them. And he's trying to say, look, these are the things that you can expect to happen if you truly want to follow me. Are you willing to sacrifice everything to follow me? everything. Are we willing to sacrifice everything? Do we have the courage to give up everything to follow Jesus? I love the story that uh, Andrew told this morning, and I don't know if he did that on purpose because he had seen the promos for the sermon or if this was just what was on his heart, but either way, that story of courage that he talked about with those four chaplains is exactly what we're talking about here this morning. See, they had the courage to put others' needs in front of their own and give those life jackets to somebody else, and they were willing to go down with the ship because they had enough faith that they knew where they were going. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were willing to go into the fiery furnace, and they even say, look, either God is going to deliver us from that furnace or we're going to spend an eternity in heaven. It's the same thing with those chaplains. Either God was going to save them there on the spot or they knew they were going to go to heaven. And that's what it's all about. They didn't choose comfort. They chose the cross. Time and time and again, we have to make this decision for ourselves. I want you to think back, and unfortunately we don't have time this morning to go into it. I want you to think back to Acts chapter 2, where we see the early church and the way that the early church operated. Now we know that those folks had courage, right? Because even back back then, persecution was everywhere. So just by coming together, they were risking persecution. But they even gave up everything that they owned, right? They pooled all of their wealth. They had the courage to follow Jesus. They were on fire for Jesus. Mission Viejo Church of Christ, are we on fire for Jesus the way that the Acts chapter 2 church is or was? I don't know. I hope that we are. 
But if not, I want to encourage you to look back at the early church and the things that they were willing to go through and the things that they were willing to suffer to be the church of Jesus Christ. Let's look at the second question. Are we going to settle for maintenance or are we willing to sacrifice for the mission? Maintenance or mission? That's what we're talking about. There there are so many needs around us. There are people that need shelter and there are people that need food and there are people that need water and there are people that need education. And I am not downplaying that because those things are truly important. I do believe that. But the need for the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, supersedes all of those physical needs. Now, are the physical needs important? Of course they are. I'm not saying that we shouldn't help people that are in need. But are we taking just as good a care of their spiritual needs as we are their physical needs? Are we just throwing money at the problem? Are we just donating food? Or are we talking to the people that need that about their spiritual needs as well as their physical needs. That's what I want us to consider this morning. We've got to preach Jesus Christ and we've got to preach the importance of forgiveness and the repentance of sins. We have to. We have to. And it goes all the way back to the beginning. We've got to share that story of Jesus. We've got to share the story of the sacrifice that Jesus was willing to make so that we might have a better chance at life. Just like we heard this morning, Jesus was willing to take the life jacket off and sacrifice himself for us. Are we willing to do the same for others and for Jesus? So the second man, as you remember from our reading just a few minutes ago, or if you still have your Bible out, you can, you can take a look at that. He basically said, yeah, I'll follow you, Jesus, but I've got to go bury my dad. Now, there's nothing wrong with a funeral, of course. That's not what we're talking about here. And, and it would have been expected for this man to go bury his father due to the customs of the time. So why did Jesus basically say, no, nah, You don't need to do that. Let the dead bury them their own. He did that because the kingdom of God will not take second place to anybody, anyone, or anything. That's why he did it. He wasn't telling the man, oh, you shouldn't bury your father. He was saying, nothing should be more important than following me and working for the kingdom. That's what it's all about. And see, that's the, that's the point that he's trying to get, a, get to. Is he's saying, proclaiming the gospel, spreading the gospel, which is what he's been telling his disciples to do from day one, and he told them at the very end, is the most important thing. And that shouldn't take second place to anybody, anything. Gospel possession, right, requires proclamation. When we get a new car, we want to tell everybody about it. We post it on social media. We tell all of our friends. We call our parents or our loved ones and say, hey, guess what I just got? Same thing when we get a new phone. Same thing when we get a new computer. Same thing when we get a new house. 
There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with being proud of what you have. But are you just as proud of the good news of Jesus Christ? Are you sharing that on social media? Are you sharing that with everyone that you encounter? I don't know. I don't know if you are or not. But my point is, proclaiming the good news of Jesus should be more important to you than proclaiming about your new car or your new house or your new computer or your new phone. Because you already have the greatest gift you could have ever been given. And you should want to share that with anybody who will listen. And that's what resilient disciples do. Spiritual needs are more important than physical needs. Spiritual matters are more important than physical things. See, Jesus didn't give us a commission to consider. He gave us a command to obey. He he didn't say, you should think about telling other people the good news of Jesus. You should think about, you might want to spread the gospel to the ends of the earth. He commanded us to do it. It wasn't a suggestion. It wasn't a, hey, you make up your own mind. He's saying, we need to spread this message to everyone who will listen. So who's going to save the church? Who's going to save the church? We've seen in statistics, we'll show you over and over and over again, that over the years, the church is shrinking. The church is getting smaller. But what are we doing to stop that? What are we doing to reverse that trend? Are we building resilient disciples so that we can reverse that trend? Are we just sitting back and waiting going, oh, somebody else will take care of it. Oh, the next generation will take care of it. I'm just trying to maintain to get myself through, and then I don't know what's going to happen after that. Are we maintaining the church, or are we on a mission for the church to spread the gospel to make disciples? Because that's what we're told to do. We're not told to maintain. We're told to be on mission to make disciples. And church, I hope that we're doing this. I hope that we're not guilty of just maintaining. I hope that we're not guilty of just saying, ah, you know, we've got 200 people on a normal Sunday. That's cool. No. Are we making new disciples so that they can make new disciples so that we can move that 20% of resilient disciples to 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80%? See, we're not called to maintain. We're called to be on mission. Let's look at the last question. Will our lives be marked by indecisive minds or undivided hearts? It goes back to the heart issue. Let's look at Matthew chapter 10, starting in verse 35. Matthew 10, 35 says, For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, a man's enemies will be excuse me will be the members of his own household anyone who loves their father or their mother more than me is not worthy of me anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me and this is why I say it goes back to the heart issue right 
Because sometimes we may even be called within our own household to take a stand for Jesus. And this piece of scripture from Matthew makes it pretty clear of what our decision should be. So so if we have to be willing to cut off members of our own household for the sake of following Jesus, what do you think that means about the rest of the world? If we're called to be able to, to, to go to battle, so to speak, against people who live under our own roof, what do you think he expects of us when it comes to other people out in the world and out in culture? We've got to be willing to make a stand. Because, see, we can't just keep doing what we've been doing. It's not working, right? We've got to go out and build disciples. And it starts with the heart. Our heart's got to be in the right place. And we've got to truly love people. And that means we've got to truly love all people. Whether they look like us, talk like us, think like us, vote like us, it doesn't matter. We've got to love everybody and share Jesus with them as well. So the third man. This one is interesting. I find this one very interesting, and I think that last verse really kind of puts this in a nutshell for us. But Jesus knew what might happen if this guy goes home. Right? You know that old saying, you can't go back again or you can't go home again? Jesus knew that there was a pretty good chance that if he sent this guy packing back home, he may never come back. That's why he said, no, I don't want you to go back. I want you to stay here with me. Because he knew if he left, he might not come back. Have we done that? Have we left Jesus and just not made our way back? We have to be willing to just go and to follow Jesus. And we have to be willing to put others aside. And that may be relationships, and that may be family, and that's hard right? That's really hard. It's really hard to think sometimes that if my family fades away from Christ, that I have to still follow Christ and be willing to put them aside. And that's, that's, not, that's not his design for family. That's not God's design for family, and that's not what he wants. But he's trying to make a point that we should be willing to do that. And that goes back to that concept, and that's why I warn people all the time about being unequally yoked, when you have people who are strong Christians that decide they want to marry someone who's not a Christian because they're not going to allow that person to pull them the other way. It's hard. It's really hard. and It doesn't always work out that way. And I think that that's why the Bible warns us about just that thing. So here's our takeaways. Here's some things that I want to leave you with this morning as we wrap up this series, as we wrap up this concept of building resilient disciples, as we wrap up this idea of living a countercultural life. Three things we got to pray, and 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 then when you think you've prayed enough, go ahead and pray some more. we got to talk to our Heavenly Father. We've got to participate with Him. See, He wants us on this mission with Him. We're here for a reason, and that's to do the Lord's work. It's to build the kingdom. And he wants us to be on that mission with him. But we've got to participate. It's not enough just to sit back and say, okay, I go to church and I tithe and all that. And that's all good and great. But are we on the mission of building resilient disciples? And the last one says, we must proclaim his word to the world around us. We've got to go and make 
disciples. We don't do these things out of guilt. At least I sure hope we don't. We do it because we love Jesus. We do it because we love our Heavenly Father. And we do it because he made that sacrifice for us. Jesus had the courage to come down to this earth, to walk as a man, to be, to be ridiculed and scorned and beaten and nailed to a cross. We didn't deserve that. It was done because he loves us so much. And he had the courage to do it for us. You know the story when he's in the garden and he says, Father, your will be done. And he went to that cross and he suffered and he died for us. He didn't have to do that. He had the power to stop that. But he did it anyway because he loves us. So I hope that as you go about your business of building resilient disciples in your home, in your workplace, wherever it may be, I hope that you're doing that because you love Jesus and you want to share Jesus with everyone that you come into contact with. In just a few minutes, we're going to sing another song. And if there's anything at all that we can help you with, even though the campus may be closed, we are still here to, to love and support you and help you in any way that we can as a staff. Maybe you've never been baptized. We'd be more than happy to make an appointment with you. We'll bring you in. We'll get you baptized for the remission of your sins and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Or maybe you just need prayer. Maybe you just haven't been that resilient disciple that you want to be. Maybe you've been in maintenance mode instead of mission mode. What a great time to repair that relationship. And we're here to help and to support you and to hold your hand and to pray with you in any way that we can. So I want to invite you to think about this as we get ready to sing the next song. I will rise, Once again, I want to thank you so much for joining us here at the Mission Viejo Church of Christ this morning. I hope that you'll be able to join us for our midweek studies via Zoom. And again, we'll be back here live again next Sunday morning at 1015 for our children's worship, at 1030 for our main worship service. And don't forget, 7 o'clock next Sunday night, we'll be here together in the parking lot. I hope and pray that you'll be able to join us. Would you join me in a word of closing prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful day and we thank you for this opportunity that we had to come together to sing some songs of praise unto you, to partake of the communion service and to learn another portion of your word. Heavenly Father, as we get ready to depart today, we ask that you would just give us that courage. Give us that courageousness that we need to go out and become and to build resilient disciples. Most of all, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for all that you've done for us. We thank you for all that you bless us with. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Well, thank you so much for watching. We'll see you next week. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. He is Lord, he is Lord. At the name of Jesus, every tongue will shout. He is Lord, he is Lord.
Blessed is the holy name. 